we're back. Yes. All right. So now I actually want to focus a little bit more about you as a filmmaker, you as a writer. You know, now we're going to go around your circle of life in a sense. You know, one yeah. of the things that I do want to ask you is what is the life of a filmmaker and, and or a writer? Well, it's constantly working. Like even if you're not working, like even when you're not making a film, you're always like working because, because I'm currently in the indie filmmaker status. I've mm-hmm. like, I've written tons of scripts, but like I'm just, some of them are waiting for the green light. And like I said, I just, I spent the last month writing a, a fairly detailed synopsis for my horror series, which I just sent out this Friday, just waiting for the response from my producer. And like that, because I'm not writing the series currently, but I still spent a whole month working on just wow. expanding the idea. And because I wanted to be as detailed as possible, because uh, because the synopsis only had to be like five pages of what what the story is about and then what the 10 episodes would be about and then writing about the characters. But I was just like, if I rush this and only make it like five pages, it's going to look like shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent the last month trying to get everything down to the down to the t of what what is it that i want to tell with this and so the the original five pages wound up being like 12. oh (laughs) wow because some of these were so detailed like some of the synopsis like took a whole page because i just couldn't stop with some of these ideas were so much bigger than i thought they originally were like you think of okay like you start with something small like a haunted porcelain doll and you go like okay but but that's just that's just an idea that's just a concept so what can i do with this concept and that winds up being like this in the computer but then i had this idea of like okay what if th- those three people are driving and they somehow take a wrong turn and they and they wind up in a town seemingly empty and that that whole thing took a whole page of like detailed writing because the idea just became so much bigger as it because it's just like a whole town that seems to be empty is creepy enough but then like but what if they suddenly see people and they go up to them and these people don't move they're like statues but they but they kind of look like they're dead too it just it went to this whole thing and then it was just like okay but why is it like this and then you go and find these like journals, writings of a madman somewhere else, and you this whole lore thing about it. And like I said, it just sometimes you just start with a small concept, like a town that seems to be empty. <laughs> it's so min- it's so minuscule, but then it just becomes this whole thing. And like the original idea for the pilot, it was very similar of what I told you earlier, but it was just like okay, they're hearing a shadowy man who's whispering in someone's ears. And that was the whole thing. And I was just like, okay, but what am I doing with this? (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's actually very interesting, man. Like, it's fascinating how you actually come up with all this sort of stuff with just that one page and then becomes 12 pages long of that one concept idea of three men driving. All of a sudden, three men driving on a spooky place. And then people are there, but they're not moving. They they look dead, and then all shit break loose, you know. Yeah, 
sometimes like one of the ideas I already had in my head a while ago, it was just like, okay, this family is haunted by a ghost, but they can only see it in reflections. And mm. I was just thinking, and then I just went, okay, why don't they move? And then I was just like, well, what if they move, but they still see it in the reflect in, in the mirrors, wherever they are. And it's not the house. It's, it's the family. And I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. And, and I was like, what's the payoff? And then I just went, what if the, what if there's a girl in the family who had a car crash and her face got mashed, just caved in and she can't look at herself in the mirror anymore. So the ghost is actually a manifestation of a negative self image. And oh. she has to, she has to conquer her own self image. And, and that was just like, ah, there it is. <laughs> Damn that. Why does, why is it always the girl? Why is always had to be the little girl or the creepy little girl? Like why, why did, where did this idea come from? I just think it's, I don't know why, but in my idea for this, I know that it's more often than not, it's girls that usually fight with like negative body image or negative self image. And I was just like, what if I can put that in a ghost story? Like, what if I can make a ghost story about that? And, and the way to defeat the ghost is not to shoot it or like use a cross, but what if it's the girl herself who has to face her own kind of demon, which right. is just her mentality of herself. And I was just like, that's, that's another theme of depression and stuff like that. And, and then we have another episode where it's just a ghost. <laughs> you know, sometimes a ghost is just a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sounds like um, that concept of Medusa from the Greek mythologies. Yeah. That she's being completely cursed by the goddess um, Athena after Medusa seduced and sleep with Poseidon. And then she put a curse on her and says, like, all women will be protected. But every time a man sees you, they'll see your your true self into a hideous person and then they'll turn into stone. Mm. Yeah. But like the life of a filmmaker, especially an indie filmmaker is just constantly workshopping ideas until you find the one that you seem to be drawn to the most. Like mm. more often than not, I'm working with so many ideas at the same time. So I'll have like these word documents and I'll have like five up at the same time. And I, it's just a lot of different ideas. And sometimes it's just, oh, this is a horror movie. This is an action film. This is a drama. But, and then I, some, then I real, I always find myself focusing on the project that seems to be uh, drawing me in the most, because like the one I'm thinking about the most, like when I'm working at the post office, I drive out, I, I'm a post office delivery guy here where I live at, at night. I have the night shift. So I have the whole day for myself for okay. writing, but when I'm driving and suddenly it's just like, when something just clicks, I just get get a new scene in my head or a line of dialogue or, or a sequence. And it's just like, I now I know this is clearly the idea I find myself wanting to work with. And like be, being a writer can sometimes, it's, it's exhausting, man. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> Because you, like the brain just doesn't shut up. And sometimes even when, when you're, and like when you get writer's block, it's just, it's usually for me, writer's block comes from when there's too many ideas and I can't select which one to use. It's never, it's never 
I, I don't think I've ever run out of ideas. It's just like, there's too many. And I'm just like, I can't, I don't know wh where, why this won't fit here. Like with, with the, uh, with the episode I talked about earlier with the, uh, with the empty town, we had this whole thing for like a fog, which was sentient. And I was just like, why isn't this working right now? Because we had this whole idea and we, we changed it entirely. The fog is still there, but it's no longer like sentient. But mm. that was the original concept. What if a sentient fog was doing stuff to people? And I was just like, when we were writing the whole thing, me and my a friend who helps me workshop ideas, because I usually need someone to bounce off to, and then I go write the whole thing myself. But uh, it was just something about it. We just found ourselves at a stop with so many ideas. And I was just like, why are none of these ideas working for this? There's just there's something missing here. That's very interesting because um, I get writer's blog when I'm writing music, mm -hmm. and sometimes, and sometimes when I'm not even writing music, let's say when I'm taking a shower or when I'm driving at work or when I'm doing something. An idea just pops in in my head. It's like, oh my god, there it is. That's the thing I yeah. wanted to do. Oh, oh my god, that's a brilliant idea for for a song of mine. I, I can actually do it. And sometimes I feel like um, writer's block is a myth. It's just uh, something that you put yourself in your head and believe, like, oh, I can't work today because I got writer's block. Like, what's your experience with writer's block and mental fatigue? How do you <laughs> overcome that? Uh, usually with writer's block, I don't let it kind of stop me i just kind of like even when i feel like an idea is not working i still kind of type it up because i know eventually i'll realize what's wrong like with the story of the empty town and the fog and the and the whole ghosts there it was just like we were doing so much we were just saying stuff and endless and i was typing up and and then we kind of stopped and we were still talking on the phone and then i found myself like i just have to i I'm still going to be typing whatever we're saying here. And then like, even when I'm writing alone, when I hit this whole stride of just like, there's something not working here, I still continue to, I, I try to still continue writing it because like most of writing is actually just rewriting. <laughs> like you never just hand in a first draft. You have to mm. look at the first draft and, yeah. and you're always just, you're happy with that. The first draft is, is over because now you can find the mistakes. So if I have like writer's block and it, the rare times I do stop, I just have to think like, okay, there's something just, there is something about this not working, but I have to, let's just still try to type the whole thing out because somewhere along the way, I'll realize where the mistake lies. Mm -hmm. So that's how I usually face it. It's just like, okay, this is, I know it, it's just like, it's it's a game of chicken. <laughs> like you're challenging me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. A Zelda reference for the chicken, you know? It's like, hey, yeah. I'm gonna hit you and what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And the whole yeah. bunch of chickens comes to you. So let me ask you this. Yeah. How and where did you start it with the whole thing that let's say out of high school, I wanna be a writer, I wanna be a filmmaker. How and where did it all all this started? Uh like like I said earlier, with with I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker with a Pirates of the Caribbean thing and just constantly looking at behind the scenes things of how films were made. But like when you're in your teens and you don't 
actually know how the filmmaking process works outside of seeing one guy just yelling action and everyone doing everything else. Uh, but then I just started like shooting short films with my friends and there would never be, <laughs> there would never be a script. <laughs> there would just be like a whole lot of ideas for like funny scenes. And we knew that we just knew the basic outline of it in our heads and we would just kind of practice it before shooting. And we'd never like do too many angles. Like we would just always have like this one shot and it would just be like no motion in it. And it was just a steady cam shot and us walking into frame and doing stuff. And regarding the writing, I've just always, when it came to in school, just like having to write a short synopsis for something or even writing a short story or something, it, it, was, it was just come so easily for me because I always kind of knew what I wanted to do and even just like write a short horror story and I would just I would just do it because I was just like uh what 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 was the scary thing I was thinking about last night and I would just type it down <laughs> but the whole knowing that I wanted to write actually just again it came from my love of storytelling and I was just like I started reading a lot of scripts online and I started watching my favorite films and like, like retyping them in my head. I was just looking at them and I was just like, like, how is the scene written as I'm watching? And I was just like, okay, interior here walks in, uh, he runs away in a cold sweat, stuff like yeah. that. And, I, and finally getting down the descriptions and like, I still remember writing my first like script for fun when it was before my writing process was anything of a process because I would sometimes just sit down and start writing like a script having no idea what what, what it was about and it would always just be like I, I found one in my drawer the other day and I wanted to cry it was so bad oh <laughs> but <my God. laughs> but but then when you re when you learn about the structure of stuff and mm -hmm. like as soon as I found how I wanted to do my process. It just became so much easier for me to tell stories. And it was usually just wanting to do something fun with my friends because yeah, we sometimes meet up and hang and like play cards or watch something together. But like I have friends who want to be actors and I have friends who like, like editing and I have friends who like shooting with a camera and and I was just like, okay, what if I just write something for us all to do? Like I, you, I write a short film okay. and like, you can, like you, you can act in it. I'll direct it. You can be on the camera, but even though I'm, I'm also usually on the camera because I, I always have a specific thing about like, I usually trust my director of photography, but that's because it's my brother. And uh, I actually kind of taught him with the, uh, with stuff. Because he knows how I want to shoot films when I shoot them, because I'm usually on the camera myself. So he just he usually asks me in detail, like, "How do you want the shot to look?" And I just go, "I, I want it kind of like this." And then I show him beforehand, and then he just replicates what I did. <laughs> and but I I knew regarding writing, I just I wanted to write stuff that I myself want to see. And that's why I kind of find myself more often than not writing horror because I have so many like ideas of for horror and scary stuff. And it's just, how do I, how do I do something new with this? Also, I kind of just love writing dialogue. I don't know why, because I usually write horror scripts, but when I do, I've written a horror comedy once. It's probably the funniest script I've ever written. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. It's a it's about this 
this ghost that lives in a house and then these kids come and they're kind of trespassing and he's the ghost in the house so he's just kind of wanting to get them out of the house uh, <laughs> Which i just i just this is i just found that kind of a funny spin on a on a haunted house like what if the ghost is the victim he just wants them to get the fuck out of his house <laughs> that's actually a, a very cool interesting take of a of a ghost i can see that as a comedy horror of some yeah. sorts for me I, like i remember telling my friends about this who i wound up writing the script with it was probably the first time i ever wrote with other people it was a fun writing process i was the head writer i outlined the whole thing and i was just like i'll write the first 10 scenes you can write the next 10 and you'll write the next 10 and then they would send me the scenes they wrote and i would just like iron them out so they would just kind of feel consistent to what i wrote but i i still remember like when we were bouncing ideas of each other and just the tears coming out it was it was so funny Damn, that's actually pretty cool, man. That's, that must be a great feeling to have that, man. Yeah. Um, one of the yeah, things right. I definitely wanted to talk to you, speaking of it, is is what goes behind the scenes of, of you guys actually writing down and filming this sort of stuff. Because I remember when we first met, you were talking about some of the stuff that you had to do that, you know, some of the pains like, oh, I got to write down a scene while we're still shooting and it was kind of like like talk yeah. to me what all the stuff that goes behind the scenes that we normally don't see it you know uh so i have i have produced i have two short films and they are they're on youtube but they're in icelandic so you wouldn't understand what's happening hopefully the visual language helps but <laughs> like the actions of the characters right. but the first one is like 15 minutes long the other one is 40 minutes long the and they both kind of had their own little behind the scenes shenanigans although with the first one it was kind of easier so but also at the same time it was kind of weird i'll tell i'll tell you about both in yeah. in sequence when they were made so i had to do this short film for my for my film school it was supposed to be like 12 pages long or something it, the script wound up being 20 pages long but the film one was is like 15 minutes and it was about these young adults uh, five young adults who no yeah it was original about five young adults I'll I'll get to that in a moment who go camping and then as they're camping and they've all had had alcohol and they're just having fun suddenly a guy walks in the forest carrying a bag with blood dripping out of it and he has a shovel oh. <laughs> so <laughs> and I was so it's a guy who's clearly trying to get rid of a body and now. They and he threatens them, to, and they they can't get away. And now they have to help him get rid of it. So I just thought that was a really funny idea. It's kind of a dark comedy, and I had casted it. And but like the day before the first table read, one of the actors had to drop out. Mm. So now I realized I can't cast it. It's too late to cast someone else. So now I have to rewrite the whole script and get rid of a character. <laughs> Good Lord. So I called my friend who plays the murderer and he, he's, he's a, he's a great actor and he's a good friend of mine and he likes writing as well. So I was just like, Hey, can you help me rewrite this whole thing? Like just in a, in a mere hours. So we just sat down for four hours and wrote, rewrote the whole thing. Uh, it was really fun, but we read it with the, with the cast. It was really fun. 
I have a behind the scenes documentary for it as well, but again, it's in Icelandic. But the crew was the cast and crew was really fun, and we shot it on my phone actually. <laughs> really? Just, yeah, we because because of COVID, I was stuck here, and my film school is on the mainland, so we couldn't get the we couldn't get the cameras, we couldn't get the the, the equipment. Oh, and with that in mind, we. The sound is kind of bad because uh, when when just a small gust of wind would appear, it would just be like, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we had to work around that, but we started shooting. It was two days of shooting, not much. Like it's a short film. Uh, we shot the we shot the uh, interior scenes on the first day, and because the whole movie then happens uh, in this one like small forest, we just shot the whole. We just spent the whole day there, uh, but the day of the shooting of that scene because the actors some of them lived on the mainland so we only had the one weekend to shoot it so as we go down to the forest there is a local marathon happening like right above it (laughs) so sometimes yeah so sometimes we had to stop in like the middle of a tape because an announcer would start like screaming into the microphone and music would start and we were just like what should have been three hours turned into six mm. and it just started getting colder and colder by the minute. So mm. when we were shooting the last scene, everyone was just like here and just, can we, can we just shoot that fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. No? And, ah. yeah. And my, my fingers were like numb and freezing because like I said, I'm shooting on my phone ah. and, and I'm just I'm just like this, and I'm trying to not shake because my fingers are have gotten so cold. But it, but again, it was yeah. The weirdest fucking thing happened like during the when we we're just about to shoot the very last scene, the the shovel we had broke. So now someone had to do a tape run and just drive all the way home, and we had to tape it, which oh. took like an extra fifteen minutes of our time. And we were just like, yeah, this just had to happen, didn't? <laughs> but but again, it was kind of fun. We had it was really fun when the when the movie was then released. But then we had the biggest project so far, which was a passion project of mine. And I had to really talk my film school into letting me do this because again, I live on a small island from the south south of Iceland. So and the school is in the in the mainland. Mm-hmm. And since I could get a 15-minute short film made in two days on my phone, I said, I have this script. It's 40 pages, which should not be something we should be doing for the school. It should be like 20 pages max. But I just, it's its a film I've wanted to make for a long time. The script was written in the summer, uh, and I was just like, give me two weeks with the, with the school equipment, and I can deliver this. And I have the cast and everything. So they trusted me with that. So we planned out, we mapped out two weeks. I drove all the way up to the mainland, which is just like, it was a near six hour drive. And then I had to drive back and, and I got the equipment and what should have been smooth two weeks turned into a month. Oh, what happened? uh, (laughs) Because we were shooting some of these scenes and like, it was really fun. It, It was, I, I'll never forget the filming of this film. It was just so much fun. It was the film is called The Guardian, and it's a love letter to one of my favorite films. It's it's Unbreakable by M Night Shyamalan. Oof. 
And so it's pretty, it's a vigilante film and the vigilante wears the green trench, the, the green raincoat, yeah, rain poncho. And it was about that and whole themes of like family and stuff like that. And it, it was a pretty good script, but in the third act of the script, there was supposed to be this big standoff between like these, this small drug lord, uh, the main character, the hero, and the cops. And the costumes that we were trying to get to us, they just would not come or we couldn't get the licensing for it. And then some of the people who were going to be cops, they couldn't. And then mm-hmm. I was okay with that. So long as one of the cops could do it, who was supposed to be like the main officer, like kind of the Commissioner Gordon to, to, the to this Batman. Yeah. And then he had to drop out due to COVID. And I was just like, oh. because now I had this whole third act and I, I had to rewrite it from scratch as we were shoot. And there, there didn't go a day where we weren't shooting, except for we had to not shoot anything for an entire week because of weather conditions. <laughs> oh man. Because it, it was just, it was just raining and stormy winds like every night for a week. And I was only free during like after eight. So uh, it was just, it was impossible, but that gave me more time to edit. It gave me more time to write. But like I said, some of these scenes, some of these sequences, like we were figuring them out and rewriting them. Well, I was while we were shooting, like just some of the scenes in sequences, because we were here and here, we were in this warehouse and we were, and that scene was here. And then we just like, wait, there's a scene missing here between the, because we have to make sense that you two are here. Just, okay, give me five minutes. I have to write this. <laughs> so, so I'm just, I'm walking around wearing the rain poncho, trying Jeez. to rewrite a whole scene just in my head. And I was just like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> you know? And, and also it was a no budget feature. So the only, like the only thing we got the cameras and everything from my school, but we, like I had to talk to a lot of people to get to be allowed to shoot in some of these locations. Right. And there was, there was no budget. And so it was just, sometimes it was just driving me mad because I knew I could, as a director, I couldn't be too strict. I don't like being, I like maintaining a good presence on set, but like, and also these actors are not getting paid. They're here on their own time and everything, which I was so grateful for. But when I'm trying to rewrite a whole third act and a scene we're currently trying to shoot and I'm just trying to figure it out and they were all just chit-chatting and laughing and everything. There was just so many things happening in the same small space. And I was mm. just like, uh, I just, I, <laughs> at some moment I was just like, please, can you not? <laughs> good look. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's. I think it's like that level of stress when you know when things are not coming your way, and then all of a sudden, like, it's you're the only one that's carrying out the weight out of this. You're taking it very too serious and personal because it's like shit, bro. It's like all this is happening, and I'm the one who has to write this down, and everybody's just like doing its finish. Like, so you sometimes feel like, man, you don't appreciate it, but at the same time, I get it. Like. This is not a budget fit. Like everybody's doing this for free for passion and whatnot. Must yeah. be very, must be very <clears throat> stressful for you to actually have to endure all that. Yeah, it was really stressful because, like, like as soon as I would get back home after a night of shooting, I would immediately start editing until I just felt mm. like I had to go to sleep. So, because when I, because then if I went to sleep, I the first thing I would do when I woke up is try to schedule which scene to shoot next right so it was always i was just constantly working and also i was still 
doing the delivering the mail on on evenings and so it's just like i was never not working <laughs> and also studying for exams and stuff like that and it was just it was so many different levels of stress and but like shooting some of the fight but i finally just the one time i weirdly felt relaxed during all of this was when we were choreographing and shooting fight scenes because mm-hmm. i love choreographing and shooting fights and it was so much fun and they they're really good in this movie they're really fun to watch and there's this one in the end which i'm so proud of it's it's just it's this one long shot where the hero character like he cuts down the ropes that are holding up one of the kidnapped uh, characters and and his sister and he just yells at him to take his sister and get out of there and he's they're just kind of limping from exhaustion out and all of the other like the bad guys are trying to get to them so the camera is like right here with the kids as they're and the camera just keeps on backing and they're walking here but they're in the foreground and in the background uh the hero is fending all of these other guys off and it's just in this one shot and it was so highly choreographed and it was it was exhausting to shoot (laughs) But, (laughs) but it came out it came out really really great that's great to hear, because, man. So yeah, I and I've I don't think I've ever felt more relief when we finally shot the last scene, and it was just, it was it, it was it was kind of emotional, even though it was just a month's work. But it was just like uh, when we were shooting it, I just turned to my brother and I was like, "This is the last scene we're gonna shoot. <laughs> just, <laughs> this is the last shot." That's and it was just like this realization that it was it was done. Do you feel like content, like happy? It's like, yeah, we made it to the last scene. Or you feel like, um, like, damn, like satin. The fact that it's like, damn, this is the last scene, man. Yeah, it was, it was actually like both simultaneously because, because, uh, because it had been so stressful the, like the day before I was just like, like, oh, thank God it's the last scene tomorrow. It's, we just have to get this one shot tomorrow. And, and we and just kept on editing, went to sleep, planned this. And then at, when we got to the place where we were shooting it, I just went like, like I said, I just looked at my brother and just, this is actually the last shot, man. And we were just just like, wow, because the the process of it had actually started like three months earlier because I had written the script in the summer and I really wanted to make this picture. And I was just like, and then we looked at uh, our early concept footage from three months before, and I was just like, "This is where it all started, man!" And now we're shooting a scene where it all started like three months ago. It was, it was kind of it, the whole weight of it just kind of hit me, and I was just like, "Can't believe it's over, man!" That's actually pretty good. It's a, it's a great sensation to feel like when you had your finished end product out. You know, it's like, damn, like I, I did it, like I did it, and then. The fact that you made it to put it out there in the world so that people can listen to it and, and the people liking it, you feel like super appreciated. If I was like, man, it, it makes it makes you like it's 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 a whole different uh, feeling, man. Because um, I know when every time one of my music is goes out there to these labels, like I always get the certain rejection, and sometimes it's like, man, wasn't my best work out there? And then all of a sudden, when someone does like it and then puts it out. You have like hundreds and thousands of people liking it. It just it gives you a sudden like like a great feeling. It's like, yeah, I did this, man. Like I feel happy and proud of such a 
great thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean because I just remember I actually put it online on on my birthday. So that was just kind of a oh. birthday present for me. But like, I I didn't know, I honestly didn't care about how it would be received because it was just such a passion project for me. I, it was a film that, the con because the writing of it had happened three months earlier, but the very first concept footage had been shot like the year before. This is this had been like something we had wanted to do for a long time, and I was so happy with it that I was just like, like I, when I put it online, I was just like, I'm not even nervous that if people are going to hate it or not. Not because I thought it was so good, but it was just like I made this entirely for me and my brother because we had wanted to make this and. And then people started like sending me like messages about they th they really really dug it and some people some just said like it was good it was good and I was just like that's cool but then when people started sending me that you know they they loved it they thought it was like great and that that that's when it kind of hit me because all I had done was really just made a film that I knew me and my brother wanted to make and when people were telling me that they really they loved it it was just like it hit it hit me in a different spot. It must be a very um proud fulfilling man. Yeah, it was. It was uh, really good because and also the the school just like they they shared the link and they all they said how proud they were of the creative team behind it. And I was just like, man, I I've had my 15 minutes of fame now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt I feel really good about this picture because I sometimes I usually when I shoot something, uh, when I make create a short film or something. I don't watch them after I've edited them because I've seen them a thousand times by now. But with The Guardian, uh, I sometimes find myself just re-watching some scenes because I'm so proud of everyone who made them and I just, I really love those scenes. Uh, definitely very interesting in watching that movie of yours. Like, mm. if, if later down the road, um, if you can DM me the link to it so I can watch it, that'll be great. I'll be happy to watch it. Even though it's a different language, I'll manage to get the subtitles or somehow. Yeah, or I could just try to put put subtitles on them sometime. I thought about it once. I just, maybe I'll do it. Hey, man. If, you, if that, that'll help me a lot. <laughs> And you can have a, a bigger audience at that point. Like you can actually have a, a very a bigger broad audience to watch it. So now other people from other countries can actually watch it um with with the subtitles and they can appreciate it more. Yeah. But yeah, man, at the I'll be yeah. I'll be I'll be more than happy to watch it, man. Whatever you get a chance, I'll 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 be happy to do it. Um I actually want to go circle back again to you that you said that you were talking a lot about your school. Like you went to film school, correct? Yeah. Over there in Iceland. Mm. I want to circle back to that a little bit because it's very interesting because I actually went to audio school as well here in mm. Florida. I'm from, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico in the okay. Caribbean islands. So. Like it's a small island. There's not that many people. And then when I moved to the States, I went to go to audio school because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I want to be an audio engineer, a music producer, fulfill my DJ career, blah, blah, blah. I ended up doing everything that an audio tech would do. Like I've done festivals like Ultra Music Festival, Electric Daisy, Knife and Color and such, like setting up stages and whatnot. Artist liaison, event organizer, art behind the boards led tech programming for the visuals and whatnot like i ended up becoming the the one-man army you know 
even as a producer for many labels and DJs, L rooted down from from me going to school. If it wasn't for me going to school for audio, like I, I don't think I would be progress as much as I am right now, or I wouldn't be where I am right now. Do you feel that you that going to film school was totally worth, you know, going to? Well, I had a pretty unorthodox film education here in Iceland because there is there is a film school, and then there are uh, then there are other schools with film. Uh, like programs mm. like you have like you can graduate from that school with like not a film degree but you know like you studied film at that school and i went with a ladder because there is a film school in iceland like the icelandic film school or whatever it's called and to go there i would have to move to reykjavik which is insanely expensive and then i would have to and then the tuition for the the icelandic film school is also insane like it's it should be like people should be fined for it. It's just, it feels like illegal how much they're charging there. Jesus. And then, but I knew like, it's all regarding Iceland and filmmaking here. You have to know a certain type of people and you have to meet mm. certain type of people to get a chance because yep. the indie market in Icelandic filmmaking is kind of dead. And just like, if you don't know anyone who works at a studio, you're, you just make films with your own money and you put it on YouTube like I do right now. But so I saw this school up North in Iceland and I saw it had a film program and you could, you could graduate from it having learned film. So I went there because they had dorms there. You could like, you could live there for a few months and it was like collectively, that was my whole time. There was probably half cost me half of what it would have cost me to be in film school for a year wow. or something. Wow. I was just doing doing the math. <laughs> it was just like living there cost me like X amount a month. And then like the school cost this amount a month. But looking back to it, like paying X amount a month to be there and, and live there and live near the school and doing everything and paying for food and everything. But had I gone to film school and had to rent somewhere in Iceland, no, well, in Reykjavik, I just realized that would have, like, I don't know how much that would have cost me, but I know it would have been at least twice as much. And that would just been for the first year because I know film school is like two years or something. But I spent two years in school up north and I lived there and I met a lot of new people and I did some theater work. And I, like I said, I lived there for two years and it didn't, it, it cost, it, well, it was it was a fair amount, but not not nearly as much as it would have cost me to be in Reykjavik and in film school there because that probably would have killed me. <laughs> I, it's just it's so expensive. Yeah, I can sympathize that man because the, the same thing what happened to me when I was trying to move to the states, to the mainland. Um, yeah. I didn't know where to go. Like, and then all the music schools I've seen, like Berkeley or Full Sail, you know stuff schools like that they were pretty pricey and i've already finished my bachelor degree of electronics engineering so i was mo- i was moving away from that i didn't want to do anything other- only audio stuff and all those other schools was just like 20 20 g's per semester like yeah. twenty thousand for a semester that's like insane like if for a two-year program that's like it will cost me almost a hundred thousand dollars and then plus like you said, housing, 
like or dorms or plus food and then you got to get a job next to it like like it was too much and then thankfully i managed to find the one school in in north miami that i only have to pay twenty thousand for the entire year and it's Every week for for entire year, every week is a new topic, a new topic, and they provided me with a laptop with all the programs for for Pro Tools, Logic, Ableton, all that stuff, with all the effects, the plugins, and books of every other stuff, and they teach you everything for an entire year for twenty two thousand. Compare yeah. what I could have spent on others, and then I ended up saying like, "Yo, this was." a better deal with me because I learned a whole lot more. These guys are Grammy winning producers or audio engineers. Like we're talking about level of success, like to the top ranks. Like these guys are teaching you the ropes of how to do things and putting you two and two together to put you with this certain person. Then you could go on, on, on. And I found it like, this is much more rewarding than going to a, school that will cost you more than more than a liver you know yeah i know exactly because like i know how much stuff costs in states and stuff like that but yeah. we like we have like i always estimate like uh like 10 bucks is like a, a thousand kroners here in iceland it's it's not it's more but yeah. that's just my rule of thumb doing math in my head right right so like with the school up north it would just be like 80 to 100,000 a month for for the living situation. Jesus. Yeah, but that but that came with like that came with like three meals a day from the dormitory and you had internet and stuff like that and that was just like like 80 to 100,000 uh, kroners a month. And and you were there for like 3 to 4 months each semester, which isn't too bad, but and the school never cost that much up north. It was just like the school itself only charged like seventeen thousand for the semester. It's always the the housing and stuff like that, which is more expensive. Compare that to if I were to live in Reykjavik, I would have to find something that would charge me at least a hundred thousand a month to live there. And then the semester alone in in the film school is like six hundred thousand kroners. Yeah. A semester. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, so imagine how relieved I was when I learned they had a school up north with a living situation and everything and just a whole a whole like a half a year up north living there and being in school would cost all would cost the amount of what just the semester for the film school would be. <laughs> it's just, it, it, yeah, the ma- the math tells you everything, man. Like it's ridiculous yeah. how much you will save. Now for from for the listeners, they they'll be wondering, is it really worth going to these schools? Doesn't matter like like whether you're going to this the cheaper school or the expensive school. Is it really worth it for you to progress? Well, when I was in the film program, there was there wasn't a lot I actually learned because I done I knew a lot of these things. Like I knew how to write, I knew how to shoot a film and everything. But it was just about getting the education because here in Iceland, it's all about education. Like. It's all about where what school you went in, and it it's, it it can can it can get kind of stupid sometimes. But also, the only thing I actually took out of going to the school and everything was just it was about the people I met. It's just like one of the people from my dorm is now actually one of my best friends, and who I went to when I wanted to talk about the horror series, and 
just I had a whole lot of fun experiences there, but well, yeah, well, there were there were some things that I did learn, but like not a lot. But mm-hmm. just having the experience of actually having completed the education, like it, I think it's worth it just for the the morale of the whole thing. And you some, and if you're lucky, you'll meet some of the greatest people you'll ever know because like there the, sometimes like there's not a day that goes by where I. Where I don't kind of miss being up there with with the people up north because it was a great community. Like the theater community was really fun, and like I said, one of one of them, one of the people I met is now one of my closest friends. And and yeah, it even though I was even though I took a break from even going to school at all for a while because I just had to focus on my mental health and whatnot. Going to finish the actual education and doing the stuff I. I knew I had to do because it was it was about doing what I had to do to be able to do the thing I want to do. And there's a big difference. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to do what you have to do and you can't always do what you want to do. I uh, agree. And that that's just something you have to learn along the way. And now having finished the education, I can now finally talk to like some like I know more producers are kind of now they're kind of more inclined to listen to some of my more pitches because I'm actually I have the education for it now. Now I'm just not some average show with with us with an idea for a for a film or a TV series. Now I'm actually like legit. Now yeah. I have the education. Yeah, that you put you put your thing. yeah that you put your stamp in the industry. That you say like yeah, see guys, here are my here are my credentials. Here are my edges. Look at all the things. I'm not just a regular schmo like. Yeah. I know what I'm doing, you know. I know what I am, you know. Quickly, how has the film industry has treated you? Well, it always depends on like I have two phases. It's just like pre-education and post-education because mm-hmm. during the pre-education, I I did some I have done some like acting gigs as an extra which I I only did kind of for fun. And it was <laughs> not because I thought it would like like some people went into it. Some people I know that went into it. Like if I if I'm an extra here, maybe I can get a bigger gig next time. And I, I was just like, no, you're you're like you're just like me right now. It's just we're we're just we're nobodies at this moment. I just did it for fun. Well, <laughs> when I thought they would be fun, actually, some it was sometimes it was just agonizing. But <laughs> <laughs> but but it was kind of fun hanging hanging with the. Uh, some of the more like celebrities here in Iceland because some of them are like really chill and cool people. But I have often had like scripts ready and written and I would try to find producers and I would pitch them to them and they were just like, they would want to read it or, and they would, they would just say no. And sometimes I would chat with a producer and say, I have this idea for a film and he didn't want to buy the idea. He wanted to buy it if it was a script and if he liked it. So I had to write this whole script for free and send it to him and, and then he said no to it. And I was just like, okay, this is the, at this point, I know I have to have some education because now I like when I sent the pitch now, having finished my education, it was just like, I have this idea for a horror series. It's 10 episodes. It's about this and this. And he was just like, okay, I like the idea. Just give me more of it. Give me it more detailed and I will talk. And I was just like, this is such a different atmosphere than <laughs> if I if if I would have pitched this to him like two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm thinking two years ago he probably would have had me like, 
okay, write the whole ten episodes and then send and then send them to me just so I can say no and crush your dreams. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he he he's a really cool guy. Uh, the producer I'm talking to. It's just like I get where he's coming from because two years ago I was just someone sending him an email like. Like, hey, I have a script here that I would like to be made into a film. And he, he's probably just looking at it and he's just yeah. like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but now it's just like, oh, he's actually, he's graduated. He's made films of his own and he's made some scripts. And like, whenever I would pitch a script, it was it would usually be the same thing of like, I like what you've written, but and but this is not like, it's not in the area of the kind of films we make. And it was just like, it was the, it was the kindest and gentlest way to say, yeah, I don't want to buy it. <laughs> if only, man. If only they could tell you a straight way. You know, I get so many rejections from so many labels. Some of them don't even reply back. And then, yeah. but then the 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 people that do, they say, "I love it. It's just not in it for us." And I was like, you know what? I appreciate very much more that that they <laughs> reject. Well, I don't like rejection. Uh, fuck that. And well, rejection sucks. <laughs> but I appreciate it more when they tell me like, you know what? It's good, but it's not in it for us. You know, like keep yeah. sending us more of your stuff, you know, rather than, you know, wait for weeks of agonizing times. Like, I don't know if they read it or not. Like, that's much more like, oh, soul crushing. Like, what what are your takes on that? Well, I, I kind of agree with you because the waiting is just so agonizing because like I finished, like I said, I probably... When I pitched the idea to the producer, it was only the idea of it. And then he just like, send me this whole pitch, do a pitch for the entire thing. And that was a whole process of its own. And I took, I thought I would be a lot quicker with it because I write really quickly. But then I realized, oh yeah, I write really quickly, but my process takes so long. Like one time I wrote a... 90 page screenplay over two nights it was just a friday night and a saturday night but that was just that was just sitting down and writing what had been like two months of working on the idea so sometimes i i sometimes i do forget how long it actually gets me to like complete the the full idea of it so when he told me to do the pitch i was just like this is going to be a cakewalk and then i then i realized I had so many ideas and I was just like, how am I going to flesh all of these ideas out? And I finally finished it. And I sent him on Friday and now I've been waiting the whole weekend. I know he's, he probably takes the weekends off, but like, I, I'm hoping he'll reply me tomorrow because if I have to wait the entire week, Monday through Friday, I'm just, I'm just going to be, it's going to drive me insane. Yeah, because it's unnecessary stress <laughs> that we put in ourselves. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like, He's he's a great producer, this guy, but I've started like looking at other production companies in Iceland that I would like to pitch this in case he says no. But I, I want to wait for him to either say yes or no so, instead of pitching it to multiple uh, multiple companies at the same time. So it's just like I'm I'm just waiting for him to respond because if he says yes, great. I write the pilot, it, it I can go through the whole process. If he says no, it sucks, but now I but now I can pitch it to someone else. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, bro. But, like the same thing happens when it comes to those type of things because, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I want to go with this label. I want to release music with this label, and I want to focus on them because I know they they're gonna love it. That's their thing, and I don't want to send it to other labels 
because what if what if they the other level say yeah yeah okay well, let's move forward and then all of a sudden a month <laughs> later this label that I really wanted from the be from the beginning decides to say hey we love this song let's work on it and I'm like oh man I already sent it to these guys you didn't you know and then you become like guilty like you feel like you you let yourself down out of it. It sucks that when it's stuff <laughs> like that. And some of my homies always tell me like, bro, just send it to every label. Send it simultaneously. Fuck it. Whoever comes first goes for it. If the if the others didn't reach you earlier, that's that's on them. Now they know that they have to be ready when you send them more music on them and be like, okay, like we want this, you know? Because it gives them that sensibility of like, oh, I you're getting yourself well known with other labels you're getting yourself exclusive like damn i don't want to miss that opportunity i'm i should get uh, that's how i should get it for you that's that's in 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 the in the music side of things like does that ever happen or you have you ever thought about this in your perspective in the film side well yeah like i said i have thought about like sending i did think because as soon as i sent him well as i was doing well not as i was doing it but as i was writing the pitch and as I was putting the finishing touches on it, I started looking at other production companies that maybe were more into producing horror. And then I found this, I found this small uh, production company here in Iceland who have been producing more horror based stuff. Like they produced horror films and they've been doing, they have been like co-producers on horror series. And I was just like, they'll probably love this, but I still want to send it to the guy I pitched it first because he's a great producer and I've talked to him beforehand and he's a, he's a great guy. So I don't want to send it to these guys who might be interested in it right away. And then they accept it. Like in my head, it's just like, oh, these guys will accept it. But then the guy I sent to it first will also want it. And yeah. that, that'll just it, it gives me a headache just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, It's an unnecessary headache that we put ourselves, man, when, it, when we try to pitch these ideas to these people. And, you know, and that whole time cons constraint that they give us because it's like, yeah no move forward move back and you're mentally and physically you're like let's go man let's do this let's go let's move forward let's let's not waste any time and you know i feel it feels like yeah. they're holding <clears throat> you back they don't give you an answer because again you don't want you don't want to waste anybody's yeah, exactly. time you don't want to waste anybody's time you just want to pitch it do you like it yes or no all right it, it sucks that you didn't want it but that's okay let's move forward and it's it's incredible man yeah exactly